Today on Creative Drive, Panic at the Art School. Hello listeners, I'm Eric Torres. I'm an artist and designer living in Phoenix, Arizona. Creative Drive is a bi-weekly podcast for everyday people creating extraordinary things. I want to say uh, welcome back to all the listeners who've been tuning in here over the past few weeks that I've been getting this podcast going. Um, This is episode five. I'm kind of scared about what I've committed to, you know, with the whole recording every two weeks thing. It's a big commitment. So deep breath. Don't try to think too much about that. Um, Yeah, in other news. Creative Drive was accepted into the SoundCloud RSS podcasting beta, so that's pretty cool. Thank you, SoundCloud, because um, this is basically going to make it easier for me to push the recordings that I create to iTunes and Stitcher. So, more about that soon. I'm going to try to update, um, well, not update, I'm going to try to invade iTunes and Stitcher. Um as of Creative Drive 6, so we'll see. There might be a bit more I need to do to get that set up, but anyway, progress is being made. Um, Speaking of Creative Drive 6, I'll have a recap of some things that I've learned at the ADIM conference in Boulder, Colorado. Um, ADIM is this um, conference put on by Adobe, And it stands for, I think it's Adobe's Inspirational Masterclass. Kind of a pretty dramatic name. Um, It's really this hands-on project-based environment. And it's set up like, really so that people from Adobe can show designers and artists um, working with Adobe software how to maybe use some of the more advanced capabilities of the the programs. So it's pretty cool. I'm, I've been there once before. I'm going to be there again and I'll try to come away with some notes and some techniques and stuff that I might be able to pass along. So I'll have a feature on that on the next episode. As for today's episode, I'm really going to take the opportunity here to just break down some of my experiences attending art school and give you guys a little bit of background on my educational experience and kind of what I went through to get where I'm at now. And, you know, I don't have all the answers on the subject of whether or not to go to art school. Um, That's almost like a a separate topic. I mean, there's a lot of alternatives to going to a traditional art school. And I think I'll talk about those in a different episode because I do have some um, resources I can share on that subject. But For now, I think I'm going to really just break down this experience I had and maybe relate a few topics, or I'm sorry, relate a few lessons that you guys might be able to take away whether you've graduated already or, or not. So when I graduated from high school, I found myself going into the workforce pretty much right away. Um, I worked for a printing company. I did some construction here in Phoenix. I did, um... Um, I think I worked at a, yeah, I probably worked at a grocery store. Yeah. Pushing carts. Eventually I found a job at a sign supply company. And while I was at this job, 
you know, a lot of things started to happen and fall into place. I kind of had a stable job. Finally, I, I met the girl that I would later marry and skipping, skipping. Once I was married, she said, Hey, you should go to school and get a degree so you can get a job that you actually want to do. And that sounded pretty good to me. And so skipping a little bit from that, you know, eventually I found a school I want to go to. I got some financial assistance because I wasn't making a ton of money at the time. So there was some financial aid I could get. Um, And before too long, I was sitting in a class surrounded by other folks who had decided to learn how to be commercial artists or designers. And the panic part of the title of this episode struck me when I was about six months into my degree and I realized that the school that I was attending was not so well spoken of in the community. Um, I heard and read a lot of things that started to make me very nervous about the choice that I had made to attend there. And one night it hit me. I'm going to graduate from Collins College with a degree in visual communication and no one is going to want to hire me. Um, other students were starting to figure this thing out too. And the poor reputation of the school we were attending, it just started to morph into this, you know, hulking mass of horror stories um, about people who had graduated before us and found themselves without prospects and with no respect for their work and no hope of getting a job in their field. So to say I panicked might be exaggerating, but, you know, my anxiety level pretty much skyrocketed. And I got to tell you, you know, walking onto campus brought this dire sense of, you know, foreboding um, over everything I did. And it was pretty much just a creative darkness. And to me, that's what panic feels like. So that's why, you know, I was pretty, pretty concerned at that point. So despite all the drama of that part of it, I knew that I didn't want to quit. I knew that I didn't want to drop out of school. That just didn't seem to be the answer. So I don't know if it was pride or purpose or stubbornness that ultimately, you know, kept me from dropping out. But I decided to go, you know, chat some people up and and talk to some instructors and counselors and admissions people about what I was hearing. And they did listen to me, but I didn't really find anything to really, you know, quell my whole sense of, um, nervousness about this whole decision. And there, I remember there was one admissions lady who kind of even threw it back at me and said, you know, something to the effect of, didn't you know what you were getting into when you came to this school, you know? And I remember thinking, no, I really didn't know. And I guess that's my bad. And so, you know, the things that I did know was that I was looking for an education I could afford Um, I wanted some hands-on experience and a more practical application environment to work within. I knew that, you know, I didn't know everything when it came to the implications of accreditation or how and when my credits might 
or might not transfer to another school. And I didn't know that much about the perceptions at the time that employers in this market had about the school I was attending. But um, I got to say, you know, in the end, I stuck it out. And so here I am about 12 years after graduation. And I'm glad I stayed. And I think the adversity that I experienced has led to some pretty cool things, actually. So, you know, even though it would be hard for me to recommend the school that I went to to others, um, in some weird way, I'm pretty proud of my education. And so next I'll get into some reasons why then. The first thing that, that really comes to mind on this topic is just that I had some great instructors while I was going to Collins College. And to this day, a few are, you know, still um, acquaintances of mine and have been invaluable in helping me avoid some of the pitfalls that can um, can get people in the design field. Um, I think no matter where we get our education, instructors and professors can be our greatest allies. Uh, when the system fails or when, you know, our motivation tanks, when others might be looking down on our efforts, these people can be usually relied on to help us uh, keep perspective and stay objective about what we're doing. So I think one of the things that I took away was I wanted to, if they could stick it out in a challenging environment, I knew I could too. And so I just tended to try to attack my projects with a sense of tenacity and I viewed them as, as training for facing the real world. Um, clients, employers, and customers expect way more than instructors usually do. And I'd say if you have an instructor um, who expects a lot out of you and might be a little hard on you, it's probably because they know your potential and they're trying to really help you unlock that potential. So... Looking back, I know I can attribute much of my own success to their example of sticking to things and getting getting work done. Uh, there's not really a magic formula, you know, to being successful as a as a creative person or as a creative professional. There's just no shortcuts even anymore. I mean, so many people have the software, they have the time, they have the internet, so they can get pretty much whatever is out there and use it. And I think that. Um, Anytime you can learn from the instructors that you have or will have if you haven't gone to school yet, it's going to be a really good thing. The second thing I'd point to in my experience at um, the school I went to was just that I learned a lesson about how perceptions don't always represent reality. You know, years after my experience at Collins, negative perceptions persist about that school. And unfortunately, a lot of what they say is true. The school is a for-profit organization, so they churn students in and out of there very quickly, and ultimately they overcharge for their product. But there are a lot of false perceptions. I think one of the ones I ran into was sort of captured in an ad that I saw for a job, and it said, no Collins College students need apply. And I thought, you know, here's a place and here's a 
employer that's probably lost a lot of objectivity because I know for a fact there were a lot of people there pouring their heart and soul into everything they were doing and they really wanted to learn. And I think if employers and business owners and collaborators can take more of the approach of sifting through local talent to find those people and identify those people that are hungry, committed, and really just oozing with potential, they're going to find a lot of good people that could be, you know, very valuable, um, you know, as employees or collaborators or partners. Because quite frankly, when you come from some of these environments where the school system may not be as um, prestigious, it kind of kind of gives you a sense of trying to work harder and trying to prove yourself because you do want to show that uh, you want to do great work and you're willing to put in the effort to do it. Um, so I think as my college years progressed, I just tried to pour a lot of energy into my portfolio with the goal of making it as irresistible as possible. And for you guys, I think, you know, if you know that there's no shortcut to the dream of being a creative professional, then you've already solved a big part of it. Um, because you're not going to be, you know, under this illusion that it's going to be easy. Um, for me, I knew I was going to have to work harder than maybe, you know, a RISD or a Cal Arts graduate to challenge the perceptions of potential employers um, about the value that I might bring to them because of my maybe less prestigious um, school experience. So that's that. I think the last thing that I'd say on that is just that, thankfully, I've never been without work in the design field. And I just attribute that to just trying to do my best in everything that I've done and not buying into negative perceptions about uh, where I've been. The next point is that success is equal to attitude. There were definitely times that I wanted to give up and I really wondered if I had made a terrible decision in my education, but I had to pull out of that downward spiral because I was not going to be on a positive path and that was just going to make my attitude tank even further. So I think for all of us, our attitudes will ultimately define our success in the business world. I've seen so many examples where those people who are positive and optimistic they may not have all the skill, they may not have all the prestige, or they may not have all the, you know, awards to recommend them. But when they display a positive attitude and um, are upbeat about their uh, work, they're so much more able to be brought into collaborative teams and put in a position to grow and to learn new things. So... There is a lot to be said for just keeping our attitude in the right place. And yeah, there's always going to be people that doubt us and ignore us and they look past our potential. But you know, that's true for everyone. So I think keeping ourselves positive is a, is a really big part of learning from a school experience because there's going to be adversities. Um, some things you can do to try to keep yourself focused on progress and on making progress 
are keeping a sketchbook and doing a series of drawings, even little small doodles every day and um, sharing them with other people. Um, one day a week, devote to painting. You know, maybe one day a month, try to get back to that story you might be writing. Just try to stack up these little incremental successes so that you can stay positive about the value that you bring, um, not only to to your creative creativity, but to, you know, doing things for yourself that you want to do. That brings me to the next lesson that I learned. And that is that doing is the most important thing. I don't know how many times I have felt, and it's going back to perceptions, it just may be my perception. Um, but I don't know how many times I've felt like I've been looked down on or maybe passed over because of some of my um, background or where I come from. And if that's happened to you and you're listening and you can relate to that, I really feel for you because I know how depressing it can be to feel like you're just being looked over for um, maybe where you come from rather than what you're capable of. But I know that um, in the end, it all rests on me to show what I can do. And so I've learned that doing is really the difference between a degree and a life of success as a creative. I think you'd agree that um, whether you're in photography or design, music, um, whether you're a writer or uh, in the performing arts, all of these different sorts of creative pursuits take a lot of rigorous self-initiative to reach grand success. So have that in mind when you approach your own projects. Try to, whether you're in an art or design school or not, in the work that you do, try to show initiative. So if you're doing a port or putting together a portfolio, don't just show what your instructors or professors are expecting to see to satisfy the curriculum that you're um, learning from. I'd say develop another portfolio even altogether if you want. Something that just is filled with concepts and case studies and a couple paragraphs here and there that explain your methodology, your approach to your craft. In other words, just go the distances that other people aren't prepared to go to. Um, go beyond, you know, in terms of the details that others are, might be prepared to go to. And I think that's going to be the difference between, especially nowadays as we see the proliferation of art online and how easy it is for others to rip off each other or acquire other people's, you know, artwork for themselves or for their own uses. Those are the things that are going to differentiate us, is the things that you can't outsource, the things that you can't crowdsource. You can't crowdsource self-initiative. <laughs> you can't really do that. You, it's, it's something that's more, that's deeper. It goes deeper than just the face value of, vi of a visual or an image. So you got to be able to show that in your portfolio or in your video reel or whatever your, you know, way of showing your work is. And I'd say lastly, I've really learned and seen so many examples of how adversity makes us better. Um, I think we've all heard of examples of 
you know, people coming from tough backgrounds. People have gone through a lot more than I've gone through to get to an equal state in their careers. And I admit that because I've heard some, some pretty crazy stories about what people have overcome to get to where they're at. But, um, it's all relative, right? I think that we all go through different things, whether it's unfair life realities or injustices or financial hardships or health issues. You know, these things can make us stronger. Um, we just have to have a respect for what they are and make sure that we understand really, again, what our attitude is towards them. Um, the payoff for conquering some of these adversities isn't always in the form of money or a dream job or a lot of prestige or status. Reality is just too big for that to happen to everyone. And maybe it's not fair, but hey, that's reality. So the payoffs come in the form of other things like greater confidence in our work, confidence that's contagious, that other people, those who are in the um, next generation perhaps of creatives might see in you and might learn from that's a, a benefit. That's a payoff. Another payoff to, you know, facing adversity is that you'll eventually have someone who comes up to you. Maybe it's a brother or a sister or a niece or nephew or a student. And they'll say that they appreciate something about what you've done and it's helped them. And I can't tell you how much more worth that is than an extra $500 in your paycheck every year. Um, it's just, it's invaluable. You can't put a price on that. And it really is a greater measure of success. So I've kind of put together a list of five questions or five points that I think might be good for those who are contemplating going to art school or getting a design education. Um, in another episode, I'm going to focus more on some alternatives to traditional art school. There are a lot of them. Um, the games are changing in terms of how we get education uh, because of the internet and some of the resources that are available. So I'm going to go into some of those things. But these questions, these points that I'm going to kind of highlight now as we wrap up this topic are really something that either might help you or you could pass on to someone who you know, might ask you about where they should go in terms of their career as an artist or designer. So the first one is kind of a three-parter. It's, am I a self-motivated person? And if I'm not, do I want to be? And if I want to be more self-motivated, am I willing to learn how to be through, you know, this art or design education? Because when you're in that environment, you're either going to be ready to listen to instructors, to listen to people that you've never had to take criticism from, or you're not going to be. It's just that simple. There's really not much in between. Um, and you really have to put your own pride to the side and be able to learn from that. And being self-motivated is going to help you to move past maybe what some of those, you know, hard criticisms are that you might get. It's going to lead you to actually just be more focused on doing the work rather than trying to ponder about or dwell on um, 
you know, the criticisms that you get, which may or may not be well-founded, but, um, that's the first one. The second thing to think about is, do I want to put effort into being an artist or designer? Or do I just like the idea of being an artist or designer? So this one requires that you be really honest with yourself. And <laughs> it's not, I know from experience, it's not always easy to be honest with yourself to that degree. But there is a lot of work and pain and sweat and energy and madness at times that goes into growing your craft as an artist and designer. And I think you have to be willing to put that effort in. If you're not, it's not something that's going to be for, for you. Third is, can I commit to owning the work I show in my portfolio? So in other words, do I understand that the work I put in to my portfolio or that I show really helps determine my success. So you may or may not have heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out, but that's the reality. If you put in five minutes of effort into your portfolio, you're going to get five minutes of respect. <laughs> and if you put in five days worth of effort, you're going to get back tons more respect for what you're doing and they're going to be able to show the thought and the effort you're putting into what you do this is what leads to a design job you guys this is what leads to being acknowledged for what you're capable of doing and showing potential the fourth thing is can i take criticism without falling apart i mentioned this earlier um maybe i can't remember um well, the whole thing about being a teacup, um, cracking under pressure or breaking under the slightest amount of constructive criticism, this is not going to be the place for you to, to thrive. There's something else out there for you. I don't know what it is, but this won't be it. And I think that one of the things that is, was hardest for me to accept was, you know, I'm the oldest of seven. I was pretty short up against taking constructive criticism because I had to be the example in my family 24-7. But there's a lot of people and folks that come from different backgrounds ethnically, and they come from different backgrounds in terms of, you know, how they've been treated as children and how they've, you know, the mentoring they've received. I think one of the things that, that I, I kind of, or one of the reasons I highlight this question is because constructive criticism is meant to help. It's a gift. It's something that's to be appreciated. It's not something that means you are a bad person or you need to take this personally. So being able to tell the difference between those two things is going to be, it's going to be huge in an art or design um, orientated career. The fifth thing is, do I understand that no one does this creativity thing for the money? And I don't know about you guys, but so far, I haven't run into many people that say they became a designer for the money or they became an artist or a musician for the money. Um, there's usually a lot of love that goes into what they do. And if that's where you're coming from, you're on the right track. In the end, no matter what our educational background may be, success is up to us.
It's not up to the level of degree that we have or the instructors that we've had. It's not up to the job placement representative we might work with to search for jobs. It's not really up to the perceptions of others that may or may not be realistic. We're in control, and we own the level of awesome that we show in our work. So whether you're in school now or considering it, try to expect the same things of yourself. Stay positive about your work and about your potential. Keep your head in the clouds and your feet on the ground, as they say. And relax. You're going to do some big things. And now it's time for some announcements. I wanted to give an update on the Agile Eye. The Agile Eye is a group of everyday artisans connected by small monthly art projects. We sketch and then share our progress with each other and the world on the last Friday of each month. This month our sketchbook theme is All Things Sci-Fi, and we'll be sharing our progress on Friday, March 28th via social media using the hashtags The Agile Eye and The Agile Eye Phoenix, or PHX. If you'd like to get involved, email me at ericsdesk at gmail.com or request to join our Facebook group at The Agile Eye. So this little art movement started here in Phoenix, but so far we have participants in several states around the country and as far away as Singapore. So that's today's show. If you want to submit a question for the show or share a comment, email me at ericsdesk at gmail.com or contact me via the contact page at specimendesign.com. Coming up on the next episode of Creative Drive, The Case of the Six-Sided Die. This has been Creative Drive. I'm Eric Torres. Thanks for listening, you guys. Today's afterthought. I think if I had a cat, I'd name him Skypaw. I mean, he probably wouldn't be able to fly, but whenever he jumped, people would see him and say, Wow, look at Skypaw. Amazing. <laughs>